0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I just don't understand why there are so many people invested in making fools of themselves. That's the only way I can describe it. Because it's inevitable. So many things are inevitable. And so many things are highly probable. But because they don't like it, they will just, I don't know, uh, say something stupid and then stick to it. It's beyond my comprehension. So, of course, now today, all the polls, all the polls are showing that uh, that Joe Biden is going to beat Donald Trump. Okay. Kind of like Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same. So uh, don't pay attention to all of that stuff. I mean, you watch it and you look for trends. I do. And then you you discount a lot of this nonsense. One of the things that I have to discount almost all the time is people saying, well, they have an inside line and they know how Donald Trump thinks and they spoke to a member of the family or they are on the inside of the campaign and they know who the who's on the short list for VP. I don't pretend to know that. I don't even, I wouldn't, feel comfortable saying, here's my best guess. Do I have some strong inclinations? Yeah, but they're mostly based on what I think he should do. And let me say this, the last time Donald Trump did what I think he should do, well, it never, there never was such a time. <laughs> Donald Trump operates on uh, Donald Trump, for Donald Trump, and I believe for America. So you just got to back away you know now it's like oh Tucker Carlson he's the one he's gonna be the um I could see that happening do I think it's probable no do I think it would be a really stupid move for both of them mm, yeah I do but that doesn't mean anything and we're a long way from November even though it's seems to be approaching more quickly. Isn't time moving more quickly than like ever? They said in the Bible that that would happen. I went last night to a a live performance of Rita Rudner. Now, for people of my generation, like Rita Rudner is one of the stand-up comedians that endured. She doesn't need to use a lot of nasty language, You know, she's no uh, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Joan Rivers. You know, she has her own style. It's kind of funny classy, middle class classy, upper class classy, but funny nonetheless. So I went last night to a performance, and we happened to have season's tickets. And so, because I'm obsessive compulsive, when the tickets became available, whether I liked the individual's show or not, I just booked the whole season. (laughs) <laughs> That's just the way I operate. My worst case scenario was a couple of the shows I wouldn't like. And I wouldn't even go to. So far that hasn't happened. Last night, a Wednesday's a weird night to be going out to a live comedy show, but I, we went out to see Rita Rudner last night. My husband and I, my husband looks a little odd sitting in a Rita Rudner comedy hour or whatever you call it, but he laughed so hard I was afraid. <laughs> that he would go into some kind of spasm because he has a bad back and he didn't really sit that comfortably in those chairs. Plus, he's so conscious of his height that he's sensitive to who's ever sitting behind him because who's ever sitting behind him is not going to be really tall enough to see over him. And we're in the front row. So he's very sensitive and he tries to you know, at least slump a little bit so that the people behind him are grateful, even though they don't care. Most of the people are looking straight up anyway. But when I tell you that I laughed and he laughed so hard and I kept thinking the whole time, you don't need to be flamboyant and you don't need to use a lot of lousy language to make people laugh. Jokes are funny when they're funny. Jokes are funny when they resonate, when they ring true to you on some level. Rita Rudner's not, uh, you know, one of the great comedians of all time. I don't think she goes down in any of the record books, but consistently funny, and I laughed. And I needed a laugh. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm having a really tough time staying chipper. I was really happy yesterday at the beginning of the day by the time evening rolled around, not so happy. So joy, I have. That comes from God. But happy is fleeting these days. Nothing is particularly funny to me anymore. A lot of the stuff that would be funny is pretty darn serious and scary right now. But I did. I had a respite. I was able to laugh and laugh uninhibitedly over just silly punchlines. Basically that were very applicable to me because Rita Rudner and I are the exact same age. She's two months older than me. Two months ain't much. We're the same generation in every regard. And so I had some good, solid belly laughs. I recommend laughing. I think it is important. I think it's hard to find something that's actually funny. I know some people can watch these sitcoms and laugh, but like I can't even get a chuckle out of most sitcoms. Never mind a good laugh. But if you can find something, you know, indulge. Music is wonderful. I try to go to as many musical events as possible. I enjoy them, even the the events that are literally imitators. That's okay. If you're a good imitator, I realize the odds of me ever sitting front row for the real Rolling Stones are slim to none. So if I can listen to a really good tribute band, I enjoy it. And I truly, truly had a, Uh, a a couple of good laughs last night, so just recommending it. And then we get serious, right? Then comes the serious stuff. Then comes the idea that we are literally looking at the new speaker, this uh, Mike Johnson, with his days ticking down, and some really strong odds that they may get rid of him. Which is Okay with me. You see, the one thing I've learned is you can get bad politics quite simply, easily, all the time, anywhere, everywhere. The odds on getting good politics are tough. And when I say politics, I'm talking about leaders who are statesmen and stateswomen. Very hard to come by. So if we find out that somebody is not of that caliber, I think we should be much more quick to get rid of them. This idea of holding on to people thinking they're going to change, they're not going to change. If you lack clear vision, you're not going to learn it. If you lack an ideology that's based on core values that you have deep, deep down inside of you and you've held for a long time, perhaps generations of your family have held these values. If you don't have that, You can't make it. You can't fabricate it. And if you're not strong enough and willing enough to go to the mat for your ideas, your candidates, then politics is definitely not for you anymore. There's no more easygoing, pull the the slippers out and put your feet up on the recliner kind of political watching. You're either in or you're probably not paying any attention at all. And some of the things that I'm watching and reading are fascinating. I mean, we just saw a piece out by uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s wife. And it's interesting because she literally was making an argument that I make a lot. I think I make it more poetically because I've been at this a long time. But she made the same argument that I make. That it's really cued, when they tell, and Dan Bongino made this article early on in his program this morning, or when it first came on, that you can continue to tell me that I'm some kind of conspiratorialist or that I admire or believe conspiracy theories which have no basis in reality, but the older I get and the longer this goes on, the more I realize, yeah, most of them are not conspiracy theories. Most of them are based on a real appraisal of what's going on and why it's going on. Because I don't think you can know what's happening unless you know why it's happening. And a lot of political punditry has moved right past that in this day and age, and it's just, you know, they say click-driven. How many people will pay attention to what you have to say? I saw a fascinating piece and it was by a person who I literally over the years have rolled my eyes at, you know, the proverbial eye roll. He's a consultant, a, a radio talk show consultant, probably the most, uh, the biggest one. He writes an article every week in the uh, magazine of the trade, the talker's magazine, and he wrote a piece, guy's name is Walt Zabo, and he wrote a piece which, literally sounded like he had climbed into my head and was saturating himself with my brain, which is fine, because if you're going to pick somebody's brain, let it be mine. Anyway, he talked about how he had moved during this whole COVID pandemic. He and his wife had moved to Ohio, Shaker Heights, Ohio, where she went to high school. And then she he pointed out, interestingly, that so had... Uh, you know, Geraldo, because Geraldo's wife went to Shaker Heights High School. So these two guys get kind of dragged out of Manhattan, you know, native New Yorkers dragged out of the city to go live in Shaker Heights, Ohio. And then they come to this conclusion, well, I don't know that Geraldo has, and Geraldo just vacillates so much, it's hard to figure out what he stands for anymore. He and I grew up right around the corner from each other. But Uh, And we certainly have a lot of shared history and even a lot of shared bloodlines. But I'm listening to what Walter Zabo had to say about how he's not, he's not, um, he doesn't do politics. The entire magazine, Talkers, stays very apolitical. They talk about what works and what doesn't work. Obviously, conservative talk radio works. Liberal talk radio doesn't. Uh, Sometimes you might get a, you know, a, a hit show, but it's rare you know, maybe there's one Stephanie Miller and there's one, uh, I can't even remember his name now, Thomas so-and-so, who's been around a long time. But for the most part, everybody's conservative in talk radio. It was the only place conservatives had to go for so long. They dominate. And they therefore do it really well because they've been doing it a really long time. But he talked about how uh, radio talk show hosts had really isolated the Trump factor what it was about Donald Trump but nobody was paying attention nobody wanted to hear what they had to say but now that the you know now that the biggest consultant in the business wants to say this watch and see how many people start echoing something i've been literally pounding the table about for the last 30 something years okay i'm going to save it for when we come back from this break and don't forget you should download the app because if you have that app, you can get all the podcasts. You can listen to me, uh, a No Restraint podcast, like the minute that Sharina puts it up. You can listen to all the Unidentified Alien podcasts, uh, Bill, uh, G- Cool Dad Rules. You can listen to my show. If you missed one this week, last week, 10 weeks ago, you can find it right there on the, on the uh, app. Or at least go go to the website. We got all these tickets. We got a family four-pack to the 25th annual South Florida Garlic Fest, February 3rd and 4th. Hey, if you're into garlic, that might be a fun event. The Tilson and Great Gift, Great Greek rather, gift card for 50 bucks to the Great Greek Mediterranean Grill in West Boca Raton at Glades and 441. That's like uh, literally bicycling distance from my house. I'm just not eligible to win, but you are. Go to the 850wftl.com website or the app. And we've got a family four pack of tickets to the 39th annual Artie Fine Arts Festival, which takes place at the Gardens North County District Park Saturday and Sunday, February 17th. These are all great things. should have the app. Let me take a quick break and I will be right back. So as I was saying, you know, I, I don't have to agree with everything that anybody says, but there should be some fundamental understanding that the person you're debating, arguing, or even just discussing something with is reasonably intelligent. And even if they're dug in, can they make their case? And if they can, it can be a lot of fun having these discussions. But over the years, it stopped being fun for me to have to tell people that I'm not a conspiratorialist. This is not a conspiracy theory. They practically say it to your face, and yet you still want to call me names. So I was grateful to hear Walt Szabo actually talking about how now he understands that there has been this phenomenon. He says, people who did not vote for Donald Trump demonized and marginalized people who did. Lifelong friendships were ended. Now, this happened in my life. I know it happened in the lives of many of my friends. It wasn't my choice. These were not decisions that I had any part of. These were people who simply could not accept that we felt differently about one individual and that we felt differently in in a very generic way about this country. They just can't handle it. And so they get absolutely crazy. Celebrities that were threatening to leave the country if Trump became or, or, or uh, remained president in the, in the 2020 election, they were gonna go to Canada. They didn't ask the Canadians, by the way, if the Canadians wanted them, right? So Walt said that he used to ask these anti-Trump people if they had actually voted for Hillary Clinton. And he said people would just give him like a nasty look. I am so familiar with that look. I'm so familiar with it it scares me. Where they've already discredited anything I have to say to the point of they no longer want to talk to me. Not about anything. They cannot be my friend. You know, a lifelong friends. Wife told me that he refused to ever talk to me again. And I'm like, how could that be? I thought, you know, they keep saying we're the crazy ones. Now the people are crazies. There is nothing that would let me automatically brand you not my friend anymore because of a disagreement or even because of a philosophical, and they could be very big. Remember, I have been pro-life for decades. And part of the problem for me always was that you can't even have a conversation about that with anybody who's a Democrat. They don't want to talk about it. They go, ooh, you better not bring that up. And then my Republican friends say, ooh, don't bring that up. Why? Why can't I bring it up? Why can't I bring up things like, I really don't believe that you choose your gender. And just biologically, that's impossible. You may choose to live as someone of another gender. You may even do physical alterations so that you can live as someone of an alternative gender. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, I think that's uh, totally normal. (laughs) It's not to me. Why do I have to argue about it? We can have a discussion about it. Do I want to see anybody punished because they are uh, gender dysphoric or confused about gender or any such thing? Of course not. This is America. You can pretty much, you know, you could pierce your eyebrows and your tongue and uh, get tattoos all over your face and still expect to be hired. This is America. I like that about this country. But when you actually talk about the, you know, Walt Zabel pointed out, they're constantly furious. They're like seething. And I think a lot of them were so shocked. They didn't even, they decided they didn't need to vote in the 2016 election because there's just no way that Hillary Clinton, it was her turn, she was going to be the next president. And Donald Trump was her opponent. Come on. I mean, they just took it so for granted. Headline newspapers were printed up the day before, t-shirts. Everybody was so confident, including, by the way, Hillary Clinton and her team. The only one who wasn't was her husband, but I think he's a lot more politically savvy than I ever gave him credit for. But anti-Trumpers had to wake up the next day and say, well, wait a minute. I decided I didn't even need to vote. We were so sure. And look what happened. So, Because can anything else explain the hysteria that went on the next day? with Scarlett Johansson and all of these women. I was in D.C. at the inauguration and I'm looking at these people talk about an angry insurrection mob with the pink cats on and the, oh, they were furious, screaming, shaking their fists at the sky, shaking their fists at us. So Walt points out that after living in Ohio for a while and having spent hundreds of hours with hundreds of Trump voters, He has learned something, and this is the something that I keep trying to tell people even now. It's not that our our support for Donald Trump is, is so enormous. It's that their hate for him is so enormous, and that's the difference. No Trump voter I ever known has ever threatened to leave the country if a Democrat wins, No Trump voter that I know of said, I hate all Biden voters. I wish they would die like Howard Stern said about Trump voters. No Trump voter that I ever knew refuses to be friends with a Joe Biden voter just because. No, no. Most of us say, hey, we're friends. We voted for Donald Trump not because we're sycophants. We voted for him because we really like his policies. And then we couldn't believe it when he actually lived up to the best that he could getting those policies enacted in this country which had been foundering against the rocks for a long time. You know what the people in Ohio want? The same thing the people in Florida want? The same thing even people in California and New York want. They want to be able to afford gasoline so that they can drive their cars. They don't want electric cars that, by the way, in freezing temperatures don't work. They want to be able to heat their homes. When the price of gas goes up, parents can't do things. They can't uh, get their kids to all the special events that they want to take them to, you know, all the games and all of the tryouts, all of the practices. They can't afford it. They can't, like New Yorkers, just hop on a bus you know, grab an Uber. So they want cheaper gas. If you can't give them cheaper gas, you're not going to get their vote. And if you can give them cheaper gas, they will pardon your language and often even your behavior. Do you realize that half of the people who hate Trump don't even own a car? I know that's incredible statistic, but I did, the, I did the research and Walt also did the research. They buy food for one person, maybe two, not for five people, seven times a week like the rest of us. They don't have to go to three different stores to get the cheapest milk. They just hit the uh, food emporium and pay seven bucks a gallon of milk. While in Ohio, they go to Walmart and pay two twenty nine, And there are a lot of other things. But the most deplorable people, the most deplorable Trump supporters, let their kids buy one toy at Dollar Tree, because that's all they can afford. And then they worry about do they have enough meat sauce for the spaghetti tonight. So give me a break. When you when they're still sitting around and they're debating like how did this happen and could it happen again and it won't happen and blah blah you know, it's pretty simple how it happened. Give the voters what they want to the best of your ability and be proud that you live in a country where there are some options like who you vote for and what they believe. But hey, I'm glad uh, I'm glad people are waking up. It's been lonely, been lonely up here at the top or the side or the bottom, wherever you would consider me. Anyway, stay right where you are. I'm going to take a quick break and I will be right back hey i'll tell you there is absolutely nothing more satisfying to me than to understand from a very primal kind of place what most people think and feel and believe now this is a very divided country so i don't pretend that i have my finger on the pulse but i do understand that some stuff is just very basic and you should not be in talk radio if you cannot assess the very basic why do people say the things they say why do people vote the way that they vote why do candidates listen to consultants who know nothing because when you get to the place that i'm at finally you don't you don't have time to defend simple things i i don't mind defending complicated concepts really like i can tell you why all this climate change nonsense infuriates me and why i understand that it's just another attempt to wrest control of some of the most basic things away from individuals everywhere not just in this country you know i'm looking at this World Economic Forum in Davos the World Economic Forum first of all it's so pretentious right when they they give names to their conferences uh, you know why don't you just call it a ted tedx or whatever the ted talk because they're so enamored of themselves right so they are beginning now to put out some messaging which I think is fascinating because it's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because they don't ever actually assess what the average Joe or Jane is thinking. It's not that difficult. And one of the reasons it's not that difficult is because we have so much exposure to the way people think. I don't happen to uh, spend a lot of time on these social platforms i've said a hundred times i have accounts on most of these platforms which i neither use nor do i follow with the exception of i look at instagram to see a video of my grandchildren period that's all i don't i don't post anything except once a year i'll post a tribute on fathers day to my dad and mothers day to my mom. you know i use it very uh, sparingly. And basically, I'm just talking to my children on that platform. I'm not trying to you know, become friends with anybody. I don't have a Facebook presence. Why? Because you go crazy. One of these young ladies was telling me the other day, she had stayed off of Facebook for a long time. And then she suddenly got back involved in it. Well, part of it was because her job requires her to do some posting on Facebook. I get it. But then she got all entangled in Facebook, uh, the person. I can't. I don't have the patience. There's too much to learn, too much to read, too much to write, too much to think for me to look at what you had for dinner yesterday. I don't care. And if it isn't worth giving me a personal phone call to tell me about your adventure to Marco Island or whatever, I'm not gonna voyeuristically peer in on your life on one of these social media platforms. I'm not. I can't even watch television. You think I'm gonna watch your Facebook page, or even my own? No, no. So again, with the conspiracy thinking and the conspiracy theories that I now say are just um, actually things that ended up being true. Noah was a conspiratorialist until it started to rain, right? So the wife of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talks about her marriage and talks about things that have to do with what is it that he actually believes and what does she see as non-negotiables and negotiables in his political viewpoints. And yet, it's really interesting to me how it doesn't matter how elevated in your status is. Like you could be, uh, let's face it, he's a Kennedy, okay? that's I don't have to say much more than that. His father was Robert F. Kennedy. He carries his name. But people don't like the fact that he thinks for himself. He doesn't reflect the... Democrat Party ideas. And you know what's interesting? Neither did his uncle or his father. The only one who did, when I mean his uncle, I meant JFK. The only one who kind of fell in line and became the lion of the Senate was Teddy Kennedy. And that's because he was so fatally flawed at a time where you couldn't hide it anymore. And when I say that, I'm not taking a shot. It's not a cheap shot, but in the days when JFK and RFK were philandering, were doing their you know, mob girls routines, nobody really knew. People had suspicions, and later there were books written, and mob uh, gals would tell their stories, and at the time, you didn't see any coverage like that. I did not, uh, look, I was young. But I think I would have remembered if at any point in time I was being told or I was reading or watching on television the one nightly news show that my father watched every night, Walter Cronkite, if they had said that JFK was having an affair with Marilyn Monroe, I would have remembered that. (laughs) But they never said that. I never heard that. I never heard any of those stories. I'm sure that a select number of inside politics people in those days probably knew this stuff was going on. Just like I'm sure people knew that FDR was in a wheelchair. But the media chose to not disclose those things because they were irrelevant. Or so the media thought. Today, there's no such luxury, no such option. You can't say, well, You know, we don't think it's an important aspect to discuss RFK's uh, drug use or anything like that. No, now everything is out on the table. There is no trying to cover up these very blatant behaviors. Uh, Look, Hunter Biden will always be known as a crackhead. That's all. You, I don't care how many excuses are made. I don't care how much sympathy there is for him. I don't care how many times I have to hear like, well, it's really not fair that you people are so cruel to him. He struggled with addiction. Okay, I know lots of people who struggle with addiction. Some more successfully than others in combating it. Many people with far less, far less money and far less opportunity to get sober managed to do it. So I, I, I'm i not in the camp that says like, oh, well, it's even harder if you're in the public eye. No, no, could be, could be easier. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Do you want to do it? You know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s son was once linked to Taylor Swift. I didn't know that. But it's not because it wasn't public knowledge. It was all over. Because now I, did ba- I, I looked back at that period of time. And sure enough, it was on... Uh, you know, in the New York Post, and it was on TMZ, of course, and I get it. It was interesting, but one of the things that I really had not paid much attention to was this wife, his current wife, Cheryl Hines. She's been RFK's wife since 2014. It was a second marriage for her and a third marriage for him, And, you know, it's kind of, his whole life story is complicated and sad, and she has been there for some of the saddest parts. His second wife, uh, Mary Richardson Kennedy, was mother to this young Connor, who was the one that was uh, part of, uh, he dated Taylor Swift, also mother to Kyra, and two sons, uh, Finn and Aiden, and the the that second wife died by suicide in 2012. And so, this this wife, this current wife of RFK Jr., has a blended family that includes her daughter from previous. I mean, people are living in these very complicated blended families now, but everybody knows all the details. So she is the, could be the first lady if this independent candidate, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., were to win. I mean, one in five Americans are saying they're open to voting for him. That's a pretty pretty hefty number. Anyway, and by the way, if you don't know who Cheryl Hines is, then you probably never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I never watched. So apparently she was Larry David's wife on that show. But that TV marriage ended in season six after she got tired, apparently, of her crazy husband's antics. I can relate to that. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson tomorrow morning. Jen and Bill will be back to wrap up this week. It is Friday tomorrow. And uh, the South Florida Morning Show will be here at 6 at 9 a.m., Brian Kilmeade will be back at noon. It'll be Dan Bongino. And then at 3 o'clock tomorrow, I'll be back to wrap up this week and hopefully take a little uh, TMZ journey with my son Derek. But I still have one segment left today. And there's been some, some serious conversation. But for the most part, this is me and you catching up. So stay right where you are. I'm not done yet. You know, some people, you can't win no matter what you say. And in particular, now any Speaker of the House on the Republican side is going to be dealing with a lot of frustrated members of his own party. I'll be seeing one of them next Monday at the Club 47. Matt Gates is one of them. But I'm listening to The War Room earlier, and Steve Bannon was actually he played a audio clip of the speaker Mike Johnson's remarks yesterday, and he prefaced the playing the the clip by telling, "Oh, your heads, your heads are gonna blow up," which I, you know, I I, I can imagine there are some things anybody could say that make my head blow up. He was asked if he believes that Joe Biden's presidency was God's will, to which the speaker explained he is a Bible-believing Christian. The Bible says that God is the one that raises up people and authority. I believe God is sovereign, by the way, so did the founders. They acknowledge that our rights don't come from government, they come from God, and we're made in his image, and everybody's made the same. We're all given equal rights and value, and and that's something that we defend. So if you believe all those things, then you believe that God is the one that allows people to be raised in authority. It must have been God's will then. That's my belief. At which point, you know, Steve Bannon goes ballistic and says, yo, dude, he's an illegitimate president. Have you lost your freaking mind? The election was stolen. Now, mind you, I'm way more in the Bannon camp than I am in the Mike Johnson camp but when Bannon goes on to say, don't be a theologian, I don't need a theologian, he's the Speaker of the House, that's what the country needs. Joe Biden's not a legitimate President of the United States. So no, God did not raise him up. You know, this is the same argument that we were all having when people were referring to Donald Trump as having been raised up, myself included. I could not come up with an explanation for how Donald Trump got elected, I really couldn't. Made no sense on paper. The more I looked at it as the days were winding closer to the election, and the more convinced I was that he was gonna win, the more I kept saying, you know, there has to be the hand of God in here somewhere. So it was convenient then when we were all being theologians, but it's not convenient if you hold the same thing true. Look, do I believe that things happen according to God's plan? Yeah, I do. And some of them are great and some of them are awful. Joe Biden's awful. But I have to uh, agree with the speaker. You don't have to be a theologian to believe that all things happen and don't surprise God. He's got a hand in it all. And you may not like everything that happens, but that doesn't mean that he is not in charge. He's large and in charge. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock to finish out this week, if it be his will and he delays his coming. That's God I'm talking about. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. They'll be talking a little bit about Israel tomorrow. Some news that's very disturbing. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.